Hello friends and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalle, aka MDV, and I am joined today on the show by Adi Kazu. Adi is the founder of Working Against Gravity. She's one of the most influential people in fitness and nutrition today, and her and her team have helped transform the lives of thousands and thousands of athletes and everyday people around the world by focusing on their nutrition to achieve their goals. Adi has also personally worked with a number of top-level games athletes in helping to push their bodies and their minds to a place that they can be successful in the arena of competition. And Adi and her team aren't done. They're going to always be innovating, and what's next down the road for working against gravity is truly exciting. The funny part about all this is that this company started off as just a graduate project for Adi while she was in university. Eventually, it turned into a personal blog, and eventually it turned into a sprawling, prolific nutrition company. This episode touches on all of those things. We talk about Adi's personal journey. We talk about the difference between commitment and motivation. We talk about what's important for coaches in working with athletes to improve their nutrition. So this is a fantastic episode, no matter if you want to learn a little bit more for yourself or for your clients. Let's grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two from Adi. Let's go. All right, and welcome back to the intro podcast today. I'm super excited to sit down with Adi Kazu. Adi is the founder, the CEO of Working Against Gravity WAG Nutrition Consulting, company that's just exploded over the past couple of years, started off with a lot of one-on-one nutrition coaching and have gone on to do a lot of really amazing things in the space. And one of the things that Dee was telling me before we got started here today was now on to helping other businesses grow their client base, which is truly amazing. So Adi, welcome to the intro. Yeah, thanks for having me here. We've It's been a while since we've gotten to even just like catch up. So I'm excited yeah. just the opportunity to chat again. For sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, Adi, you, you were nice enough to come out and talk to our entire coaching staff. I and mean, this has got to be two years ago when you came to visit us at NC Fit. And I thought you delivered a super powerful presentation to our staff. Thanks. Awesome. One, it was fun. Yeah, it was super fun. And one of the, one of the most important things for me that I took away from that, and I still reference this all the time, I steal your thunder all the time with this reference is the, uh, the funnel of results. And it's oh, just the model. It's not for, if it wasn't mine originally, <laughs> Annie HP, Annie Hyman Pratt. Um, I think her company's called leading edge teams. Yeah. That's a, I've had the same business coach for like five years and she wow. is a, I got that from her. So very cool. Well, this model that we're talking about for those who can't see is when you first start off a journey and let's just take any journey, your margin for error is really wide. And then as you get closer to your goal, your margin of error shrinks. And so does your ability to be outside of those margins for error. And, you know, in, in talking to people about their nutrition idea, I'm sure you deal with this all the time. You get closer to your goal, the, the more strict or more narrow those margins get. Mm-hmm. I think with any, like, it's, it's like that legitimately with any goal, if you want to see progress and you want to keep heading like the closer you get to that goal the less space there is to like be yeah margin of error is a great way to put it like the the more the less options you have of behaviors to make while still continuing to head towards the goal yeah um which stinks and is awesome at the same time it's like that that it has to be that way or else everyone would achieve every single goal all the time and it wouldn't be difficult like 
goals wouldn't be hard to achieve, but that's just not um, how the universe is laid out. Yeah, for sure. And whether you're talking about playing in the NBA or having visible abs when you're just walking around with your shirt off, you know, you want to get to those more higher levels of whatever the goal is. You can't be outside of those margins anymore. You can't be goofing off or eating the things that you just kind of on a whim want to eat. And um, no, that was really powerful. I use it all the time. And I'm going to still say that I stole it from you. Yeah, good, great. Give me credit. <laughs> Give me credit. It's that is like a super powerful um, analogy. There's, I think we, for anyone, for you who's listening, um, I think we, there's a video of me explaining it somewhere on YouTube. We'll have I think to look it's it up. Called the A to B model. Cool, cool. Well, before we get further down that path, because there's so much that I want to talk to you about results and getting closer to the goal and then being outside of that, I want to hear a little bit about how you got started in this whole journey because you've arguably created one of the most successful nutrition consulting companies, not only in the functional training space, but in the fitness space, just in general, you've, you've created something that's absolutely amazing and kudos to you. How did this all get started? Thanks. Um, yeah, it's been a journey for sure. Uh, it all got started. I think if you go like way, way back, it probably all got started when I was 16 years old and almost 200 pounds and wow. found myself in like a, in a, between a rock and a hard place. Like I was, had an unhealthy relationship with food and, um, started working with a nutrition coach at the time, um, and completely changed my life. So, um, I lost between 50 and 60 pounds and then have kept it off ever since I'm 30 now. So it's been 14 years that I've kept all that weight off. And that was probably the start of just like getting into fitness. I finally had the confidence to even go to the gym. I was like, love, I, I wanted to maintain those results so badly that it just really fueled me to do whatever I could to turn all of this into just a part of who I was. And so I've tried all different types of diets, all different types of exercise. Um, and then I, in my final project for, I was doing a master's degree to be a kindergarten teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, definitely would be like, what's the weather? What's the weather? <laughs> and it's like totally me, like love little kids, love just like playtime and story time, little four-year-olds running around. Like it's my favorite. And congrats. Um, you're a, you're a new mom. I'm a new mom. Yeah. I have a boy that's just over six months old, definitely different phase than kindergarten, but <laughs> Um, that is a little bit different. He doesn't speak English quite yet, but he's working on it. <laughs> um, and yeah, the final project for my master's degree was to create an, a website to apply for teaching jobs. And it was supposed to be like an e-resume and I wasn't going to be applying for teaching jobs. I was a Olympic style weightlifter at the time. And in 2015, the Pan American games were going to be in Toronto mm -hmm. and I'm Canadian and yep. being, being in the host country, they get to send a full team. And I was never probably going to be good enough to qualify for a Pan American team that was like outside of uh, Canada. But if they send the whole team, it was possible that I could have made that. Like I was like, I was on the brink of like maybe potentially being in that top, the top two people in my weight class. So I was like, I'm going to take the year off and train to make this team. And then I asked my professor if instead of creating a resume, if I could just create a website that actually documented what I was going to be doing for the next year instead, which was training. Um, and that ended up being working against gravity.com. And 
Yeah. So I just created a blog and uh, I just basically just documented my eating, my training. And in that blog, I talked about moving weight classes and I was following the nutrition program that we still currently do of like monitoring my nutrition, my performance and my recovery so that I could train really hard and lose weight and get leaner at the same time. And I got stronger and leaner. So, mm. and like that in 2014, that was like, absolutely like so novel. Like it's like you get bigger to get stronger. And I remember in, I don't know if you, it's, I don't think it's as prevalent as it used to be, but in 2014 in the CrossFit space, it was like, I don't care what I look like. It doesn't matter. All that matters is how I perform. Like, it doesn't matter if I, if I have like lots of excess body fat, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter as long as I can perform, which I didn't, I've, I've never like totally resonated with that. Like mm-hmm. I always perform better if I'm confident in the way that I look. And I also just like wanted to feel confident in the way that I look in general. So people thought it was really novel that I um, lost weight and got stronger at the same time. So I was able to like toggle both. And so a couple people asked me for help and then it really just like took off from there. Wow. wow. Well, you know, a couple of things in there, you know, body recomposition in the strength and conditioning world, like this idea of getting stronger as you're getting leaner or taking like the, the old analogy used to be like taking one pound of body fat and turning it into one pound of muscle. When you go back and read all the message boards, it's always like the fucking unicorn in the space. Everybody's like, no, it cannot be done. You cannot get stronger while getting leaner, but you can, it, it, it can happen for you. It's hard and it takes a lot of discipline, but you can definitely do that. And you've proved that certainly. And this, yeah. Yeah. and thousands of times over. We've yeah, yeah. It. Yeah. But it's I like, I'm not turning body fat into muscle. Like that's not what's happening, but you can get stronger and leaner at the same time. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That was the old like um, bodybuilding.com type of forum boards, the, uh, the one body fat, one percentage of body fat to one percentage of muscle. But, um, you know, in thinking about, what you've done in your journey from, from going from nearly 200 pounds, um, to where you were. And I think you ended up being a bronze medalist at that Pan American games, right? No, I wish that would be so epic (laughs) that I could like have totally like ignore you and be like, Oh yeah, totally. You earned a bronze somewhere. I won a bronze medal at the national championships in Canada. Ah, Okay. Well, you're an accomplished weightlifter, you know, that's a big deal. (laughs) What was that journey like? I mean, what was that like for people out there listening who might find themselves in a place where they don't think that kind of transformation is possible? Yeah, um, it's hard. Like, I think that that I was lucky. I was lucky in a way that I had I had some level of like integrity and confidence in myself. And I think it, I, it, this all happened for me really young. So I didn't have like years and years and years of trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing. And I think that that is where things get really hard, where it's like, I just need to accept that this is how I'm going to look for the rest of my life, or this is just like the body that I'm going to have, or nothing ever is going to work for me. And getting to that place is where, when I, what I notice for most people is that Um, they've just like lost trust in their own ability to follow through on the promises that they make to themselves. It's like, there's this lack of integrity with themselves. And 
that's like, it's really hard to build trust and it's really easy to break trust. It like happens really quickly. Um, my best advice would be to like slowly start building trust again with yourself and pick like really attainable actions that can help you get there. Like the, the building trust of like pick something that you absolutely could, it's not even possible for you, like in your mind, like there's no way I can't follow through on this. So you can slowly keep building trust that you can do the things that you say you're going to do. And then eventually those things can get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then your goals and results become bigger and bigger and bigger. That whole idea of building trust within yourself and knowing how to cultivate that and, and almost be your own best coach is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those, for, for my own journey, and I, and I can't speak for you, but in my own nutrition journey, that's been something that's been really important for me is, is knowing that I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to have to find and figure out habits and routines that keep me accountable to me that I can really rely on myself. Because no matter if you're working with a nutrition coach or you have people around who are supporting of you, a lot of times it's just you versus you in these mm-hmm. equations. Yeah. It's easy. And it's really easy to let yourself down. Like you're, it's really easy to just be like, for most people, it's harder to let other people down than it is to let yourself down. Cause you can just mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'll for tomorrow or all, oh, it doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter to anybody but me, but like you are the most important, like the number one, most important, even for the way that you show up for other people and all of those things. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really hard and possible and worth it. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in, you know, now we're at the place where you've started this blog, you started to document your journey. How did it become nutrition coaching for you in in a one-on-one sense? Because I think that there's a really cool relationship between the trust that you're talking about that you cultivated within yourself. And then how do your coaches cultivate that trust with their uh, members or their athletes that they're working with, but how did, how did you get from blog to nutrition consulting company? Yeah. I had a coach that I was working with, with my nutrition. And I was, that's what I was talking about on the blog. And there was a bunch of ways that he was operating that I was just like, I am a, like, I'm probably the ideal, most compliant person there is. Like, I'm just very compliant. You tell me to do something. And I love, I love when someone tells me exactly how to get the results that I'm looking for, because I know if I do it all and it doesn't work, it wasn't my fault because I followed like every single thing you said, I did it exactly the way that you said, and I didn't get the results. Like there's, there's, it's, it's more clear cut, like, okay, something needs to change in the program versus there was somewhere I could have been better. Um, so I like that just cause I'm kind of like OCD, I guess in, or a perfectionist, some people would call. Um, and Uh, I had a coach, I was documenting that. And then when people would just, people were asking me for help with their nutrition. Like that's literally how I started coaching nutrition. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, this is how he's doing it. But there are a couple of ways that I think it could even be a little bit better in terms of just actually having relationships with people, Mm -hmm. um, getting to know them, talking to them, uh, nutrition, the way that I was being coached was he would just send me numbers and then I would send him numbers back. And then he would either change the number. I, I rarely got more than like five words from him ever. 
like ever, ever, ever. Wow. And I'm like, I wish this guy would just like get to know me or like, <laughs> you know, I would send him like these long messages of being like, this is how my week went. And he said he would respond in 24 hours and it took him sometimes four or five days to answer. Um, it was just like a lot that I thought that he could be way better. I'm like if he could do it, I could do it. And so a lot of people say stuff like that. Like if they could do it, I could do it, but they don't actually do it. Hmm. I was like, I'm going to actually do it. And so I did it. <laughs> Why do you think so many people get held up at that juncture of greatness? Because I agree with you. I think that a lot of people look at themselves and say, or look at other people and say, I can do that. I can be that. And whether or not we're talking about running a business or we're talking about your nutrition results, or we're talking about earning a medal at a weightlifting competition. What do you think holds people back? It's hard. Like it's, it's hard. It's hard. Like that. I think it's just straight up. It's a lot of work. That's why when I've had a number of people, like I remember vividly one time I was dating a different guy than my current husband. And um, he sent me like a screenshot of somebody that sent him a message saying, Oh, if a D can create a business like that, I could create a business like that. And I'm, and like, it's true. Like, it's true. You actually could but why this person didn't do it is because there are bare, like nobody just becomes successful without any hard work. It doesn't happen overnight and you definitely don't sustain it overnight. Like mm. it's a lot of hard work and it takes time and attention and certain levels of compromise and sacrifices in your life. And most people are just, aren't willing to do that. Mm. Like they're just, most people are want instant gratification. Like they want something that they want really quick results for the lowest amount of work possible. I joke with one of my coworkers. I'm like, isn't it, can I just eat whatever I want, whenever I want, and like just have the body that I'm looking for? Is it just too much to ask? Like have yeah. all the money that I want, exact body that I want, eating whatever I want all the time. Is it really just too much to ask? Yeah. And it is all like people just, most people will encounter the barriers and be like, oh wait, I'm not like, I, I don't actually want to work that hard, but the worst is if you think that you do and you don't accept that, like, okay, I don't want, like you hold on to this goal. Mm -hmm. I want to have this business, this super successful business, but I'm not willing to do the work that is required, but you think you are. And but, yeah. you, hold, you hold on to this goal thinking, you know, I'm still working to like, I'm still holding on. Like I want to win the CrossFit games, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then you actually continue thinking that you want to you that's the goal for you like I'm gonna win the CrossFit games I'm going in the gym and you're not doing what is actually required to win the CrossFit games and you're still holding on to that goal there is some peace and freedom in really seeing like what is actually required and either accepting that you're going to do the work that is required or you're not and then pick a different goal yeah it's like kind of like that A to B model we talked about at the beginning like there most people don't fully comprehend what is required to achieve certain things. And I think social media is a lot to do with that. Like you can look at the social media of Catherine David's daughter or Matt Frazier, and you can kind of see like, oh, I see what he's doing for training and I see what they're doing, what they're eating, or like they're sharing a lot of that information and maybe they're sharing what they're doing now, but they didn't, they're not, you're missing like a whole history of what they did to get there. Mm -hmm. And you doing what they're doing now is not going to get you to where they are now. Cause you're not where they are. Like you're trying to get there. So you have to take all the steps that they took to get there. Um, and I think it makes people like more relatable, more accessible, which is great. 
but it can make people feel like, oh, I can do that without fully understanding actually what it takes, um, which I think is like a little bit of a negative. Yeah, for sure. And you, you just covered so much really good stuff there. And I think that we have a very common <clears throat> understanding or a common mindset when it comes to just generally how people think about achieving goals. And, you know, in particular, a couple of things you, you brought up there that I think are really powerful is number one, this whole idea of wanting something and telling yourself that you want it and telling yourself you're doing the work to getting there, but you're actually not. You have a fundamental misunderstanding of what it actually takes to get to where you want to go. And this is really, I see that I see this in a lot of the work that I do with coaches and I probably, I can't speak for you, but I'm sure that you probably see this in the work that you do with nutrition clients is that when you have that misunderstanding, what it ends up leading to is a victim mindset where you're constantly blaming other people or you're blaming other things for the lack of success when it's really just inward. It's either your own inputs or your own mindset or your own workout, whatever it is, something within you is holding you back. The other thing I think that you brought up that's just super powerful is this whole idea of social media as being an incredible motivation tool for a lot of people to see what is possible to do with your bodies, your business, whatever it is. But that, that's only just a fucking tip of what these people are doing and showing you. And there is a whole lot of probably less sexy stuff behind the scenes, a lot of struggle, a lot of grind, a lot of hard work that goes into whatever pinnacle achievement that you are viewing, whether it's abs or stacks of dollar bills or whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent for sure. I'm interested in how this, because you're, you have really, I think strong, we share these strong opinions about motivation and, and getting to your goals and, and being people who put in the hard work. How has that shaped your philosophy within your coaching team on how you and your coaches address the client relationship? What's that like at working against gravity? What we try and do is we try and stress commitment over motivation. Mm. Like motivation is an emotion. It's like sadness or happiness or anger or frustration. It comes and it goes. And it's really important, like without motivation, um, if you have a goal that you're like, have 0% motivation towards, it's probably not the right goal for you. Like motivation is a good um, compass for like, this is actually something I'm interested in. It's something that could lead to something I'm passionate about, or it can make my life better, like losing weight or starting this business or whatever it is, but it's not going to get you to the goal on its own because it's going to not be there sometimes. Mm. Um, being committed to things is very different than being motivated. Um, and together is like commitment and motivation are just like a recipe for you can succeed in absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I sometimes don't want to go to work. Like I just don't <laughs> some days, you know, but I'm committed to our people. I'm committed to what we do in the world. I'm, I know um, I've worked with many CrossFit games champions who sometimes don't want to train. Like they just don't, mm. but they're committed to their outcomes and commitment. We like to talk about is like a big part of commitment is having skin in the game, meaning like, 
you're accountable to somebody, which like we are coaches and we want people, we help people be accountable to us and we hold them accountable. And like, there's consequences if you don't follow through on your commitments, um, regardless of whether motivation is actually there or not. Mm. And some consequences can be um, like you let somebody down or it can be, you don't lose the weight that you want to lose. Maybe there's health consequences. If you're trying to win a competition, you don't win. Like there's a consequence to not remaining committed to your goals. Um, and we really try and stress commitment, um, over motivation. And then we also try and stress like personal responsibility. Uh, our program in a lot of ways requires the client to reach out to the coach and the client, like the, the, a lot of the communications, which like we definitely are, we we're working on making that more balanced, but we're not here to hold your hand and we're not here to make this easy for you. I truly believe that like doing something for somebody that they can do for themselves is an absolute disservice. It's like taking away an opportunity from somebody like you can make your own food choices. You are so powerful and so capable of losing the weight that you want to lose. You can exercise and get healthy. Like you can do all of those things and you have all of those resources within you. And we really stress for people to take personal responsibility of their own health and wellness, because one day we don't want you to need us. Like we want you to be able to do this on your own. And if you don't take full accountability and responsibility for your own life and your own results, you're just going to be in this constant cycle of blaming and be blaming other people, um, blaming your circumstances, or just at the worst succumbing to like, I'm never going to get the things that I want. And I have to accept that. And I just think that we all have so much more power than that. Yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, I think that comes back full circle to this idea of this whole victim mindset that some people find themselves in when they are falling short of their goals. And, you know, I couldn't agree more with that idea of personal responsibility and setting the expectation up front with whoever you're working with. And no matter if we're talking about working against gravity in particular, or if you're a coach out there who's taken on a personal training client eventually you want this person to need you less, you, you know, and at least in my opinion, you should not be the sole reliant source for this person for everything that they need for the rest of their life. Like you want to set them up for success in a way that, yeah, maybe they need you over time for a long period of time, but less and less and less. And that's a good way to build really great recurring clients, but also great trust with people and helping them to achieve their goals and giving them confidence. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and we and we do this all with a huge layer of kindness and compassion. Yeah. Um, we we have zero judgment. One of our, like our we have a, a list of values at WAG, and um, our number one value is client transformation, and number two is a safe and judgment free place. Um, we are just like we do all of this like my love language as a human being, like just in my regular life, my love language is someone pointing out an area for me where I can be better while allowing me to maintain my dignity at the same time. It's like trust is, is never forged in a better place because if someone points out somewhere I can be better, they're risk, they're putting themselves at risk. It's risky. It's risky mm -hmm. business to tell someone like, hey, I know you can be better than this. And this is exactly where I'm noticing that you're not meeting like the, your greatness or where you can, and like, 
in any relationship, whether it's coaching relationship or your marriage or whatever, like you, you're putting your, your it's a vulnerable thing to do. It's you're putting that relationship at risk because you, you don't know if that person's going to take it well, or if they're just going to like completely freak out and be like, I don't agree with you. And I think that's rude or whatever it is. But if you can do that in a way that allows someone to maintain their dignity and they can really receive it, um, I think like that's a tremendous amount of trust and it's a gift. Like that's my love language. Can I, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. How do you do that without fucking it up? Because you can do this in a way that you can very easily fuck your relationship up, your, your clients up. Like you can deliver this so wrong that it could destroy whatever trust you have. How do you do it without destroying that? Yeah, there's, there are, you're never going to completely get rid of the risk. That's why it's hard. That's why they're uncomfortable. That's why this is vulnerable. Like you cannot get rid of the risk completely. And that's where, like, that's, that's just how it is. Like, that's just, if you really care about somebody and you, what can be, what can be on the other side though, of that risk is like tremendous amount of trust. And like, I trust someone that they're actually going to tell me where I'm not like how beautiful of a thing, like, that they were willing to risk our relationship for my better good, like for my, for me to be the best person. Um, some like tactical ways of how to actually approach that is you can just be straight up honest at the beginning. Like, Hey, do you mind if I like share something that's like really vulnerable or like, I'm, I'm actually afraid to have this conversation with you, but I, I have something I want to share. That's, that's really scary. And it's very disarming. And it also allows someone to kind of brace themselves like, like I can brace myself. I know what you're about to say yeah. is potentially charged. It could like activate me in a way that may make me emotional. And so it gives someone the opportunity to prepare for that. And it's letting them know like, Hey, I'm putting my neck on the line here. Or you can say something like, I want to point something out and like, you can totally take it or leave it like, or maybe, you know, maybe I'm off, but this is what I'm noticing. And I would love for you to like, tell me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could totally be wrong, but I, but I love you and I care about you. And um, I like, I really want to have a hard conversation and just remind them that you love them, that you're, that you care about them, that um, this is a hard conversation for you to have, that yeah. this is uncomfortable and it's scary. And I think like we're all humans. Um, and that person's reaction is completely outside of your control. 100%. And I think in particular, the things that you said there at the end, that you are going into this with the mindset and, and the real true intention that you care about this person, you care about the relationship, you have a deep love for them, and that all of the ego is removed out of this equation. This is not an I'm better than you type of situation. This is not me saying, hey, listen, Adi, you're doing this wrong, and I can do it better. And this is the reason why. And I think that in the delivery of that feedback, for lack of a better term, sometimes you can go, you can phrase it wrong, tone it wrong, say it wrong. And that whole, even though it might be well-intentioned, it will come across as having more of an ego-driven motive. And that's not a situation you really want to find yourself in when you're working with somebody who's in a vulnerable position or you're delivering some constructive feedback to them. Yeah, 100%. And you also could screw it up, but we 
you like, you don't know until you try. And if you're doing this from a place of like really wanting to, for other, this, whoever this other person is to be the best version of themselves possible, if that's truly where you're coming from, um, then I think it's worth it. I agree with you. And, you know, I think that maybe, uh, maybe some other people out there listening might not necessarily agree with that, but I, if you are in a combined mission with your partner, whether or not there's a business relationship, your own uh, romantic relationship, your coworker with them, part of that shared mission should be that everybody is getting better all the time. And there's accountability to be had between people. And if that's all understood, then you should want people to tell you where you are sometimes outside of those bounds and that how can you get back in and how can you be a better team member, partner, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it's like pointing out when someone has food in their teeth. Like <laughs> a, good friend. a good friend will point it out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, can I ask you a question? This is going to rewind just a little bit, but I, it, I marked it down here as being something I wanted to ask you is because this comes down to figuring out how to set the expectations with your client and how to make sure that, that everybody's on the same page. This whole idea of commitment great um, over motivation, right? Like, what are you committed to more than what you're motivated to? And I get it. When those two are combined, that's rocket fuel. But how, how do you help guide people to figure out what they are actually committed to? Because you could talk to somebody until they're blue in the face and they could say, I want to go to the CrossFit Games. I want to go to the CrossFit Games. I want to go to the CrossFit Games. But actually, are you committed to that? How do you figure that out? Yeah, it's like a slow process for some people, some people, for some people, you have to let them fail. Like you actually, there is, I personally believe that the best coaches allow their clients to fail. Like they allow them. I see that a client is about to make a mistake. I see that they've chosen a path that I don't think is right for them. And there's two things that happen within me. One, I'm like, I know that that's wrong and I know that you're going to fail and that's going to suck and it's not getting you to where you want to, you want to go. And every part of me wants to jump in there and push you out of the street from the car that's about to hit you. Like every part of me. And number two is I could be wrong and you actually, that it might actually work and it might actually work and it's totally wrong, but there's something that happens when people fail based off of their own choices than off of choices that you've made for them. Mm. And it's like a lesson that is learned in a much deeper way where if I told you to do something and you fail based off of my suggestions, it's different than if I tell you, you choose something different and you fail. And it's like, okay, I made that choice. Like I opted into my own. It's like the personal responsibility thing. Like I now get to take full responsibility for my own mistakes. And for some people, like they just have to go through that process on their own. And you can't, you cannot, no matter how you say it, no matter what, spin you put on it, they're just not going to learn that lesson. Mm -hmm. But you can also try different ways of saying things to people. If you notice that you're saying like, hey, um, you're telling me that you want to go to the CrossFit Games. And I'm noticing that every weekend you're going to a tailgate with your friends and drinking and eating whatever you want. And it's impacting your performance and your recovery. Do you think that aligns with your goals? Like if you keep pointing things out like that, and they're not getting it, you could try a different strategy, mm -hmm. like try, you know, talking about maybe another like athlete that, you know, and, and how they're preparing for the games or 
ask them what their coaches, their training coaches say, or like just try and finding different strategies to get at the same thing because everybody learns in a different kind of way. So whether it's like a visual example or um, ask them to like ask other people how they're like, what, however you want to approach it, as many different angles as you possibly can to help this person realize this um, because they kind of have to realize it for themselves. Uh, you can't, you can't force somebody into a realization like that. Yeah, I think that's powerful stuff. And, you know, a really simple example of that. And if you're a coach out there who's, who doesn't maybe necessarily have a lot of um, experience dealing with games athletes, or you don't coach nutrition a whole lot, let's put yourself in the situation of you're coaching an athlete who is going to do the Fran workout, 21, 15, nine thrusters and pull-ups. They put 95 pounds on the bar and you've worked with this person for a ton of time. You know that they're going to get destroyed by that barbell, but not in a way that's unsafe. And you're constantly trying to tell them, Hey, you got to go lower the weight, lower the weight, lower the weight. And they, they just want to go for it. Sometimes if you know, they're not going to get hurt. The best thing for that person is to go 95 pounds and to take 15 minutes to do that workout and to grind it out and realize that 75 pounds was probably the better decision for me. And that's the only way in rare, in some occasions, not rare occasions, some occasions that they're going to actually know that's my commitment now. That's what I got to do. I got to reduce the weight a little bit. That is coaching. Like yeah. that is part of coaching. Part of being a good coach is knowing just as much as knowing what to say. It's knowing when not to say something mm. and just like, let, let whatever's going to happen, happen. It's like, that's part of the art. I love that. Yeah. We talked a little bit earlier about, you know, relationship with food in regards to your own journey. And I've had my own struggles with my relationship with food. And, you know, I still, still struggle with some things and it's not a, a smooth journey for me all the time, but how much of the, con the coaching through working against gravity is more so technical where I'm going to say, Hey, listen, these are your numbers. This is the, uh, the food quantities that we're going to ask you to take a look at. And how much of it is more so the relationship with those foods and those numbers? Where's the balance for you guys there? Yeah. Different people want different things. Hmm. So you have people that come to us that really just want, like, give me the numbers. I'm going to follow the numbers. Please make these adjustments for <laughs> me based on these goals. And that's like, we offer that for sure. Um, and then there are people that we can see from the interactions and the data that they're putting into their check-ins that something is up and we'll ask questions and, um, it, it, it is a really absolutely individualized program depending on where somebody's at. Um, and sometimes we now have the ability, ability in software. If it, for a lot of people, they do track their food with us, like how many proteins, carbs, and fats are eating. If we think that's not advantageous to them, we currently have the ability to like turn it off completely. Like wow. you're not tracking your food. Instead, we're going to track your sleep or we're going to track hydration or we're going to track your mood or stress or energy or hunger. And then we can work on those strategies there. Um, it is a customized experience to who you are and what it is that you're looking for. Um, and sometimes you come into the program thinking that you want something, but you actually need something else. And the coach can see that and be like, hey, I'm noticing, you know, you're really inconsistent. Like let's work together to see where we can get some consistency so that you can be working towards your goals. Mm. That's really interesting. I mean, that, that, that speaks to the evolution of, you know, 
your, your business tremendously. That's an awesome feature to have and, and a really great mindset to have when you're a coach. If you don't have these software tools at your disposal, knowing when to shut certain things off or focus on something different and not just say, stay so focused on the one thing that you think is going to deliver the most results. If that thing is absolutely crushing the person you're working with, knowing how to toggle between those things. Well, a good coach knows that they don't know the one thing that's going to get mm. the best results. The like great coach is just willing to be wrong. Like you could think, you know, but you just don't know. Mm. Everyone is so different. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question in regards to that more so in the nutrition realm? Every, every, at least my opinion on this stuff is everybody in their body is a little bit different mm-hmm. and the exact macros that you'll follow or the exact intake or the types of foods that you eat going to be a little bit different for everybody. How do you guys approach working with people and, and what's your, what's your philosophy on that? Are you guys recommending us a single path? You guys have multiple options. What's the prescription like? So we, in our initial questionnaire, when we, when we get to know somebody, which it's evolved over time, currently we like have a bunch of, every single question is very intentional and gives us a piece of information that helps us decipher where that person is starting. So there's certain questions like, what kind of support system do you have? Do you have friends that love health and fitness or is nobody in your life into health and fitness? Um, do, can you even when you look at food, do you know what is primarily protein? What is primarily carbs? What is primarily fat? If someone says no to that, we know that we're starting with somebody who's like really at the beginning and we might not put them right away into tracking their food and trying to hit specific numbers. Um, when we do give somebody a set of numbers to work with, it is everything. Like no matter what, it's like the initial program, the set of numbers or whatever it is, it's all a starting point And it's all just like the beginning of, a relationship. And what is, I have found to be true and I'm open to being wrong always, um, is that you're the same thing that works for you now may never work for you again. And you might constantly need to adjust your nutrition and your training to continue getting results or continue maintaining results. And it's like a constant evolution over the rest of your life for very few people. They can do the same thing all the, like for it's very few people that can do that. Um, and a lot because life changes and like, I just had a baby and I haven't slept in six months. So it's like my motivation and discipline changes. My preferences change. I spent two months in Europe two years ago and like, I just wanted to have more that so I could have more opportunity to eat more cheese, you know, like just (laughs) like there's just life changes and therefore like things have to adapt with you in order for you to maintain success Mm. Um, and ideas of success change. Uh, You might be like having abs is like a hundred percent top priority. And then eventually you might realize like, it's actually not my top priority in life. Um, So I, what we try and do is to like create a relationship to develop rapport, to develop trust that we can work with our clients to change with them and be enough of a guide to help them get to their results, but also hands off enough to help them like choose what it is that they want for themselves. I was going to ask you, and I think that you did a beautiful job answering it through that um, last minute there or so is 
do you think that this is more environmental, physiological, psycho uh, psychological, or a mix of all three? And I think that you've, I think you hit it. It's got to be a mix for sure. And if I don't know that, yeah, it's got to be a mix for sure. How, how do you help people untangle what can be a very sometimes mixed bag of emotions and circumstances when it comes to nutrition, because we, we just highlighted that, you know, you could have environmental factors, physiological, psychological, there could be emotional, a whole bunch of things going on there. And this all comes back to a relationship with food. And, you know, in, in my own experience, a lot of it goes back to how I was brought up and, you know, the things that I saw and the things that I heard, how do you, and working against gravity, how do you guys approach that situation? I think our main job is being like a safe space. Mm. So we are a safe space that is a hundred percent judgment free where we're 100, 100% focused on you and your results in that space. We are trying to help you uncover like the wisdom that you have within yourself. So from the regular accountability or checking in with a coach, you're talking about your nutrition and your fitness and your health and how you're feeling through just talking about it. It's kind of like therapy. Like you go to therapy and you just talk about your feelings. And as you're talking about your feelings, because they're no longer just like stuck inside you, they're coming out of you. You have, you either realize like, oh, I actually don't believe the things I'm saying or, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that I felt those things or that does, it hits home. Like that really feels right. Or that doesn't. And as you're having these conversations, realizations just happen. Like that's just natural. It just happens. And then pair that with, we're collecting data that is being looked at. So you're collecting sometimes what you eat, um, the food items that you eat, how many protein, carbs, and fat, um, calories, workouts, um, mood, stress, energy, hunger, sleep, hydration. Like we're using data and we're comparing trends of data over time that can then contribute to you having realizations of, oh, wow, I didn't even, I didn't even notice that I was having an issue with food. And all of a sudden things are just like presenting themselves. I have a, an example is I had a client who um, was checking in with me and she, uh, she was, I, I made a suggestion that maybe we should take peanut butter out of her diet. And she was like, why? Like, <laughs> love peanut butter. Like, why would you even make such a suggestion? And I literally copy and pasted how many times she had mentioned peanut butter and her addictive tendencies around peanut butter or her lack of control around peanut butter. She mentioned it 17 times wow. in one second, 17. She didn't even notice. So she didn't even notice that she was talking about peanut butter so much, which is like a really funny, simple example. It is a funny, simple example. Yeah. But it's like a potent True. example of talking about a, like spending time and attention on something that you want to improve on is naturally going to bring out, you're going to pay attention to it more. You're going to notice more things about it. And I really think just being a safe place where people can feel comfortable enough to have those conversations or to like a place to even organize your data around it. Um, the coach is going to notice things. You're going to notice things and it's going to trigger amazing conversations. That's going to ultimately lead to results. Can I ask you a question? Yes. How, so if you are the individual, let's just put your, put ourselves in the driver's seat now, because I know that there's probably some people listening out there who go, 
peanut butter fucks me up or what insert whatever in there, right? Oreos, pizza, alcohol. What, what's your suggestion for how people should handle that in their own nutrition? And how do you eliminate something like that? Um, for some people, elimination doesn't work. Mm. Some people elimination does work. Um, I think the, there is a series of trial and error just trying what, what does and doesn't work for you. The only way that you're never going to achieve the outcomes that you're looking for is if you stop trying. And for, I go through phases, like just for me personally, sometimes I need to be a complete abstainer. And then sometimes I need to be a moderator, Mm. like meaning there are periods of my life where I feel like certain foods have control over me instead of me having control over them. And then me taking the space and completely abstaining from that food, it then gives me enough space to like now be like, okay, I feel like I don't have this, like, I don't have this charge around it where Mm. it's now taking control over me. I feel like I'm in control again and I can incorporate it in a more moderate way. That's just what works for me. Um, Michael, my husband, he's a former addict and he just, you know, needs to be an abstainer around certain things. Like if he starts incorporating, not everything, but there's like certain things that like sugar, for instance, where a little bit turns into a lot, like more frequently than not. So just working towards not having it in the house, or um, we have agreements with each other to like, like talk about it or ask each other before we have it so that we can just like be accountable to some degree and there's no like sneakiness around it. Um, things like that. Uh, it's really trial and error trying. Uh, we've done challenges with consequences, like 90 days, no sugar. And then every time you have sugar, you have to do 250 burpees or something oh, like that. Yikes. Like, <laughs> so it's like, I'm definitely not going to break it because yeah. nobody wants to do 250 burpees. Um, and trying like trying a bunch of different things and figuring out what works for you and being open to like what works for you right now might not work for you forever. I can't always abstain. If I abstain for too long of a period of time, then I'm going to just completely go over the edge and be like, I need to have everything. And then it, it just like very quickly ends for me. Yeah. Um, But abstaining for enough time where I feel like, okay, I have control over it again, then allows me to like, be more intentional and purposeful of where I incorporate those things in my life. Um, it's different for different people. Mm. And I would just continue to do, try and don't give up. Well, I think that was a really thoughtful and important answer, you know, and I, I know that not only are people listening here who are athletes, but also coaches and, and we both, both of those groups, myself included in those groups, we have, struggles in regards to food. And I've, I've very rarely met anybody in my entire coaching journey or my entire life who doesn't have some sort of, I don't want to just call it emotional baggage, but baggage in regard to their relationship with food. And, you know, we're all at some level going through some of these things and talking about this with you really highlighted some stuff for me. That's important is that we all have to figure it out and try different things. And you might have to try a more uh, maintenance or management type of level. You might have to try abstinence for a while and see what happens, but just being, having some grace with yourself through that process as well, I think is important. Yeah. And this is like for life, you don't get to, you don't get to achieve your goals and then go right back to the way that you used to behave. 
Cause then you're just going to go right back to the way that you used to live or feel or look or all of those things. Fitness, nutrition, health, wellness is a lifelong commitment. And you're just always on the journey of trial and error. And just you, and you don't, I think if you can get to a place where you're doing it because you love yourself, not because you want to change yourself, then it's a really good place to be. Um, I don't, I, I always like, this is just the way you, the type of person I want to be. I want to be the kind of person that takes care of myself because it makes me more confident. It makes me feel better regardless of the way that I look in the mirror or the number on the scale. Like that's just the kind of person I want to be. Yeah. And the results that come from that type of thinking will be all the more enjoyable and fruitful than if you're doing it because you have some things that really need to be worked out in, in reaching those goals. Um, you know, Adia, we started off this conversation talking about what an amazing job that you and your team have done through working against gravity and, you know, the journey from, you know, a blog into uh, working on your, your own nutrition, into working one-on-one with clients and growing your team. And you've done a lot and you made a ton of inroads more recently with coach certificates or certifications and, and getting people enlisted in this amazing way that you and your team go out there and counsel people through health, nutrition, and wellness. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the coaching courses? Yes. So um, we, I think a lot of what we do is just based off of demand. Mm. Um, and we were getting like a dozen applications for people to be on our staff every month. Wow. People are just like, is there a coaching position available? I want to be a coach. I want to be on part of your team. And we just didn't have that many positions available but we had created a entire curriculum to train our own staff when, when we were hiring a new mem- staff member. So they would go through this six phase process and then they would be what we call a substitute coach for a while. And then we would review their information and they're like interacting with one of our staff members being graded, getting feedback before we actually get them working with real people. And so we figured why not sell this training to these people so that they can go and become nutrition coaches on their own. Cause we don't have, have space for them on our staff. Um, so we started doing that just around two years ago and it's been awesome. It's been like so much fun. It's brings our impacts like to a different level. It takes like things like a layer out, um, helping coaches coach people, um, versus like being on the ground floor, working with people one-on-one. Um, it's been really, really fun to do that. And, uh, we've also, built our own software since 2015. So five years ago, we had a member, his name is Jordan, who reached out to me and he's like, Hey, I can totally build you a software for this. I actually said no initially. (laughs) And then he kind of forced himself upon me in the best way of like creating software. And um, we have this amazing platform now called Seismic. It's massive and huge. Um, It has a native app that clients can use. And it's just awesome. And we really built it for ourselves initially. Um, and then now we allow anybody who graduates from the certification, they can use that to create their own nutrition business. Um, and it just like houses all client coach communications. And it's really just like, I don't know, business is kind of just a fun game, you know, like it's just fun ways to have impact, fun ways to help people do fun things. And it's all online, um, which has been helpful during this pandemic. Um, where people can't see people in person and also people are, um, you know, like health and wellness, I think is just people are realizing how important it is right now. For sure. And, um, you know, 
through this pandemic, there's been a lot of things that have come up. And, you know, unfortunately, one of the things that uh, I don't think is discussed enough is how important your health and wellness actually is when it comes to uh, maintaining an immune system and uh, maintaining balance during challenging times, you know, not only just completely physically, but also emotionally. And, um, you know, I, I want to uh, show my appreciation to you and to everybody out there who's doing a lot of the great work right now and helping people to stay level and to improve their health and wellness through this uh, crazy time. Yeah, you guys too. Same for you guys. Well, thank you very much. You know, Adi, I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, you're an absolute joy. I get a lot of personal fulfillment out of seeing you and talking to you and laughing. And um, for anybody out there who's listening and wondering, hey, does working against gravity work? Is it worth it? I can tell you from firsthand experience, I did about 150 days on the program. I thought it was phenomenal. I, I love that you know the number. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I write down everything. So I, I interacted. I had a really great relationship with my coach. I really loved the ability to check in with her, to contact her. And uh, I thought that the whole experience from start to finish was really, really well done and well planned. So Adi, I appreciate your time here this morning. I know you're a busy lady, but before we, we head on off, where can people learn more about working in Scravity and learn more about you? Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been awesome. I mean, catching up is awesome. Um, maybe one day we can see each other in person again, you know, Maybe. Um, and people can find us at working against gravity.com primarily working against gravity on social media as well. Um, and I'm actually like on a personal hiatus from social media, but I have a couple of pictures of my baby at a D casu. Um, I'm on Instagram sometimes uh, more not than yes, but <laughs> You can find me there. <laughs> I like that. Maybe we can dive into that next time you're on the show. I appreciate you, Adi. Thank you so much for being yeah, here. I would love to do that. <laughs> Have a great rest of your Thanks. day. Thank you. <laughs>